Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. This week's review of the week is from Susan P90. And as a reminder, review of the week is your opportunity to win a super valuable free masterclass from me. I have ones around body image, fueling hydration, and meal planning or meal prepping. So if you struggle with any of those things, you wish you had a free, really valuable resource to help you, guess what? You can win that. And if you leave a review, you are almost guaranteed to win a prize because there are so few reviews right now. So this is like me giving you free stuff. Head to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. You'll be entered every week to win a prize. So this week's was Susan P. 90. Make sure you send me an email or a DM Susan P. to claim your prize. Susan said, Serena is amazing. I love how realistic she is when offering advice and makes me think differently about my body as a runner. Thank you so much, Susan P., for saying that. It is exactly the point of the pod. It exactly is the message that you and I are trying to spread to more and more runners. And when you leave a review, Apple Podcasts will recommend this pod to more people so more people can start to see what a powerful runner body they live in. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review. Today, we have a guest who just inspires me in so many ways, and I know she's going to do the same for you. Dr. Victoria Seckley, I probably am butchering her last name, so sorry about that, Dr. Victoria, um, is a Manhattan-based physical therapist with a passion for all things running. Victoria graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree from Georgetown University and went on to complete her doctorate in physical therapy from New York University. Victoria is also a USA. TF Level 1 and RRCA Certified Run Coach. She is dedicated to helping runners of all levels by using her skills and knowledge to assist runners who are rehabbing from an injury, interested in injury prevention, and or looking to improve their training with custom running programs. I cannot wait for you to learn from Victoria today because she shares so much knowledge that is not only based in her expertise as a physical therapist, but also in her own experience as a recovering perfectionist and a runner herself. Welcome, Victoria, to an episode of Dear Runner Bot. I am super excited to have you on here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to chat. So, Victoria, I don't know if you know this, but I found you because one of my clients, we share a client, and she kind of passed your profile on. And the second I saw your, like, reels, your Instagram content, I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with her. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I know she told me as well. So, yeah, I feel like we have a very similar presence on Instagram. So I totally get it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so Victoria, you are a doctor of physical therapy. You are a running coach. You create tons of really valuable content for runners, teaching us how to prevent injury, teaching us how to, um, you know, train smart. And the thing though, that like made me want to get you on up the podcast today was this journey you're on in unlearning perfectionism 
around running. That really was like spoke to my soul, spoke to my own personal journey that I'm on. And I really want to dive into that today. But I think before we can dive into unlearning perfectionism, I almost want to hear a little bit about your story. Like where did this perfectionistic mindset come from? How long have you been running? Um, Tell us a little bit about your background with running. Yeah. So it actually, funny enough, doesn't start with running. Um, It starts, I used to play tennis competitively. Um, So just being an athlete from a very young age, I think kind of set me down this path. And it all really started from then. Like I was eight years old, training two hours a day, having tournaments almost every single weekend. And it really never stopped until I graduated college. Um, And I'll kind of get to how I picked up running in between then. But in terms of that feeling of perfectionism, I think really comes from being a, an athlete at a young age and having to already learn to kind of juggle things around school, friends, tennis, and feeling like there really isn't a way that you could, I can fail. I don't know why I I try and dig up a lot of this in my past. um, And it takes a lot of therapy. So I don't have the perfect answer. But I feel like the perfectionism piece really came from honestly, not even school, just the athletic side of things, like having to win tournaments, having to be like training constantly, playing against your friends, like all of that kind of stuff really made me feel like failure wasn't a good option. And I had many tears when I was younger. I remember like having a horrible attitude sometimes when I would lose because I felt like it was the end of the world. And I don't even know if that comes from my parents. Like my mom, I remember her saying to me many times, like, it's okay. This is not the end of the world. Like you are young. This is a, I think she used the drop in the bucket analogy. Like this is, or drop in the ocean analogy really is what it is. Like this is nothing comparatively, but for some reason, when you're younger, it's just this kind of mentality that all the coaches have that all of the other athletes around you have. And I feel like also for women, we can kind of go down that road. We're kind of pushed a little bit more into, Hey, do like, look this way. Um, This is how you do things. Well, this is how you come off as smarter and things like that versus men. I feel like are a little bit more pushed to like be more curious and asking questions, um, which we can go into that whole thing too, but that's kind of how it started. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, I kind of like that you pointed out, it it wasn't even this like um, motivation from your parents to like be perfect or do things perfectly. And I have to wonder like um, if it has to do with like, a developing brain, right? Like I think around 14 years old is when we're most susceptible to like peer pressure, like our brain, just the way like we're developing our brains are developing. And so like with sports, there is a lot of that like external, like people can see you like winning a race or winning a tennis match and people like uh, you know, like if I get an A on the test, like, you know, no one has to necessarily see my test unless I show them. And so like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of this very public endeavor yeah. you're doing at an age when you're really very susceptible to like peer pressure. And so, you know, it, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but like it makes sense yeah. of why, you know, your brain yeah. kind of developed in that way. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. It's like, 
the people who win the tournaments get the trophies. The people who get straight A's, like they're the ones who go into good schools. And it's this really one kind of path that's set out for younger kids. I think it is improving now. I hope so. I don't have any kids, so I don't really know what it's like. But I think there's a little bit more celebration around like differences and maybe not being so good at test taking, but being really good at something else and trying to figure out what that is for you. But when I was growing up, there wasn't really any of that. I mean, maybe we're starting to talk about it, but it was really like very straight cut. If you win the tournament, you, there's one winner, and if you're not the winner, you're the loser. Like, there's really nothing uh, uh, else around that. And I think it really kind of creates these unhealthy relationships from a young age and an unhealthy way of thinking that is hard to kind of go against. And a lot of that is what we've seen in hustle culture as well, which I'm sure we're going to get to. <laughs> absolutely we're already like jumping the gun we're like talking about really deep conversations in minute five of this podcast literally i'm like nice to meet you yeah I know. hey this is what it's about we have to talk about it you know absolutely absolutely and so like we can kind of see where black and white thinking comes from and like yeah i don't have well so who knows hopefully culture is changing but absolutely like it, it doesn't take a lot of like deep analysis to see where that right. black and white wrong and or, you know, versus right, perfect versus failure type like way of envisioning the world. So eight years old, the black and white thinking starts for you. And yeah. so, <laughs> so like how yeah. did that show up for you in your life? Like I know you have a, a yeah. story with running, um, had it kind of infiltrated other things in your life as well. That's a great question. And very interestingly, my relationship with running was so different than it is right now and kind of weirdly different in a good way. It's like I had a lot of pressure on me from tennis and running became my outlet. It became like a place that I could go to for just myself. I very rarely raced. I very rarely like put a time on anything. I honestly remember never even running with a watch or a phone when I was younger. Like that just wasn't when we first started, like it wasn't really that big of a thing or like maybe I wasn't into the as big into the running world at the time. And it was really just truly something I did to like hit the pavement and do something for myself. And it was something that I found like I had a little bit of control over because the rest of my life, I really didn't like the tennis aspect of things. I did not want to play tennis and I ended up, you know, playing tennis in college. Um, in college, I also was going down like a pre-med path and I knew from the beginning, like I didn't want to be a doctor, but my dad's a doctor. I didn't really have, I, I remember thinking like, this doesn't feel like the right path for me, but there was no other option. Like there seemingly no other option. And so running really became something that I was like, wow, this is time that nobody can take away from me that I'm doing for myself by myself and nobody else is defining what this looks like. And that continued for quite a long time. Um, I graduated college, finally was able to put down the tennis bracket. I went to PT school, which I loved. And I was still like through PT school running and not really signing up for races. I think I signed up for one race my last year of PT school, which was my second half marathon that I've ever done. And keep in mind, like I started running when I was 11 or 12 years old. So I really did not race at all. 
Um, and so one day I think I just like kind of got caught up. Like I started this Instagram. I looked at, I've followed people on social media and at the time when I was first on social media, I was very much like, I want to start racing. Like I feel ready for this competitiveness. And it was great for the first, you know, six months. And I will even tell you when I first started working with my coach, I PR'd in a half marathon, not that PRs matter, but like, it just goes to show that I was loving it. I really just had a fun time. I wasn't even looking to PR in these races. I just went out, like, let me have fun. And after those two PRs is when it started my downfall. I started training for the New York City Marathon. And for whatever reason, I got in my head and I was like, I want to run this time. I want to work on my speed. I want to do all of these things, which for the training block was okay. I was fine at that point. But then running the race, having it be such a horrible experience for me. If you follow me on social media, you know what I mean? I can elaborate in a bit if we want to. But um, after that was really like the past six months since the race, I have been really struggling with that perfectionist mindset. And it all started training for that race. I think I just fell into what most runners, I think, without even knowing, fall into that trap of like starting to care more about the times that they're running, starting to think about the numbers and forgetting that it really should just be for fun. Um, so that's the journey that I'm on now. I can like totally like relate to it in so many ways. And I think it's so interesting for you because you kind of mentioned how, you know, at first running was kind of your escape from perfectionism mm-hmm. and yeah. then how you stopped competing in tennis. And now it's like that, that competent, that competitive, has shifted to running and it's, yeah. it's weird right because I'm I feel like you probably can understand this we're like running for me so so my sport in high school was running so all of that you know kind of toxicity and perfectionism there, that, yeah. was, that was put on me in in high school when I was you know one of the fast girls quote unquote yeah. and yeah. and so like running has simultaneously been this source of stress for me and the thing that helps me escape and the thing that helps my anxiety. And so it's very confusing because like I, I can take this thing and I can like make it either serve me or not serve me, just kind of depending on how I yeah. like let my brain, you know, go. The two can be the same at once, I feel. And that's what I think the biggest struggle has been. And I love that you're bringing this up because you can very much be like, running is my outlet. I love doing this. I'm having fun. And at the same time, be almost like subconsciously struggling with paces and perfectionism and not being able to take unplanned rest days and kind of slowly going down that path of like, all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you're like, wait, I'm not having fun anymore. And it can happen so slowly and so easily because running is for a lot of people that outlet, but that doesn't mean that you're safe from that path. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's, and like you said, it's like such a slow like thing that you may not even realize it's happening to you. Um, So it, so it happened to you. And so right now a lot of your content is about kind of unlearning 
yeah. perfectionism. So I guess yeah. the first thing I want to ask Victoria is like, what, like if, so, if, if the person who's listening to this is like, holy moly, like, I don't know, am I stuck in this, like, you know, heading towards burnout, heading towards having a bad relationship with running? Like, how did that show up for you? Like, what were the telltale signs that like you were taking running and turning it into this perfectionistic sport? Yeah, well, first off, number one thing, the biggest one for me was I wasn't looking forward to it. I was waking up being like, this is a chore. Like, I just have to get through this run, saying things like that. Like, I just have to do this. I just have to get through it. Oh, gosh, I don't want to do this long run over the weekend, starting to make excuses, like all of that kind of stuff. And I just realized, like, why am I even making excuses? Like, who? And I have the most supportive coach ever. And, you know, hopefully if you do have a coach, you're working with someone who is supportive like that. That doesn't mean that I didn't have those thoughts myself though. And I was very much like, wait, like this, I don't have to do this for someone just because I have a coach. Like he doesn't care if I skip a run. He just wants me to be happy and like improve on things. And that's when it started to hit me. Like, where is this coming from? Where is this like feeling like it's a chore, feeling like it's not fun? Where is that coming from? That was coupled with, I felt exhausted all the time um I felt like on my runs I was just like feeling like struggling with easy pace what used to be my easy pace like all of those different things I struggled very hard with um I really couldn't get any speed work done without feeling like I was going to throw up um and I just had a lot of negative thoughts while I was running like I remember doing a one of my the first and last race actually that I did um, this year, which was, I think it was a 10 K in central park. Maybe it was a six. I don't remember. I think it was a 10 K. And I remember just being so negative the whole time being like, I'm running so slow. I feel so sluggish. Like this is terrible. And I feel like I'm throwing up again. And I finished and I was, and I texted my coach and I was like, that was so slow. That was so awful. And whatever. He was like, you literally ran faster than your 10 K last year. Like, what, what are you talking about? And I was just like, that's kind of when it all started going down. I was like, I don't know why I'm being so negative about everything, like uh, about all of my running, about how I'm feeling. And it's just, it was like intrusive thoughts, really. And that's when it kind of started to, to flow. So for anyone listening out there, I mean, it doesn't have to look exactly like what it's looking like for me, but I would say number one, if it is starting to feel like a chore, and there's a difference between like, you know, training for something and like, there's a lot of runs on the calendar. And sometimes you're like, oh, I have a big day. Like I just kind of have to get through this run. But if you find yourself saying that about every single run and you really aren't enjoying getting out there, like, most likely you're not getting paid to win a race. It's okay. Take a step back. You will find it again. Just find the joy in it. Like it should be enjoyable. It really should be. <laughs> Yeah, I I think yeah. those are like such such a good list of like the telltale signs that like something has shifted yeah. and like you need like maybe you need to stop running or maybe you yeah. need to not sign up for a race and just listen right. to your body. And I remember at that time I was signed up for the Philly half and I made a decision like very soon after that 10K that I actually, and I, I had run a 12 miler. Like I was, felt like I wasn't training for this. Like I was very much training for this. And it was a couple weeks to Philly and I was like, I'm not going to race this. And I got so many comments from people saying, why don't you just go out there and have fun? And I was like, because 
I, it's not fun. Like it is not going to be fun for me. And I do think that for some people, maybe they can say, okay, like I'll just go out and have fun and kudos to you. And I think hopefully I can get back there. But for me, it was very much like this training is not fun. This race doesn't sound fun. I'm already putting these unrealistic expectations on myself thinking like, if I don't beat my half PR from last year, I'm going to be upset with myself not healthy, right? Like all of those things where I was like, even if I go out there and I'm like, I'm going to run it slow. It's not a big deal. I knew that I wasn't in the right mindset to even go out there. So I ended up not running it and actually having like one of the most fun days because my husband was racing it. I had a lot of friends I was spectating and I was like, this is so much fun to be a spectator. So that kind of brought a little bit of joy back and no time at any point in that day did I say I should have raced it. And so that's how I knew, like, I was very much like, I'm very content being here, cheering people on, on the sidelines. Like, this is where I need to be right now. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. found it like within yourself to like stand up. Um, yeah. and I, and, and I think that's hard for people because, you know, I, I use this word ego and I, I don't mean it in this way of like, we're all egomaniacs, all of us runners, but like, you know, like this is part of like being a human being is we all True. have an ego. And I think running is this very like nurtures the ego sport because you get to yeah. hit a new case or you get to yes. go out there and run more miles than like your friend who didn't run today. And, and it, it gives your ego a little pat on the back. And so your ego can be very loud and mean and can be a bully when you do something that like that, Victoria, where you're like, I'm not racing, not because I'm injured, but because like it truly would not bring me joy. And so it's so hard to like, tell the ego to shut up and be like, I'm doing this for me. Like I'm listening to my body. I'm taking care of myself. And it just look, it's not the kind of thing that's celebrated on social media. And that's why your content lately around unlearning perfectionism has just like really been like such refreshing, awesome content to see because I have felt so lonely in like my journey of like unlearning perfectionism around running. And, you know, I sound like so, I feel like this always happens to me where I always think I'm like the only person in the world struggling with someone and something. And then always there's someone who's like, no, Serena, like (laughs) you're an idiot. Like there's like millions of people on the planet. Of course, other people are going through it too. Um, But like, anyway, when I saw that, I was just like, oh wait, like, other people struggle with this. Like I'm not alone in this. And it's really just refreshing to see you unlearning all of that, like that, that behavior. I mean, the first time I posted about it, like the amount of comments that I received from people just saying, Oh my goodness, I feel the same way. I've struggled with this too. And like everyone has their own story and their own experience, of course, but I think it's much more than people think. And of course I always get the comments that are like, well, you have to work hard too. And like, you have to, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but like, that's not the problem here. And also you can very much work hard and still protect your mental health, your physical health. Like those two are not different and they can be the same at once. And you can work hard and be like, wait a second, working that hard right now is not healthy. And that's okay. And I need to take a step back. And I always tell my athletes and I've been trying to tell myself, like taking a rest day and recognizing when you need to take a rest day, is actually a lot harder than just saying, I'm going to go out and do this run. So learning to respect when your body is saying that and 
and also realizing when it's like, okay, no, but I might have to modify a little bit. So instead of doing a speed workout, I'm just going to do easy miles. Like there's not just black and white. It's not just run or rest day, right? There's like a lot of different things that we can, we can modify, but to have that awareness to be like, what's planned for me on this day actually isn't going to work for me because of these reasons or like doesn't feel right for me mentally, physically, whatever it is. That's huge. And to be able to do that, like takes a lot of gut, I think, and takes a lot of like bravery to say that versus I'm just going to do it anyways. Yeah. I always, so obviously I'm working in the nutrition field, but I always tell my athletes, I'm like, you know, like breaking up with diet culture, like not exercising and burning off your calories, quote unquote, like not, you know, like doing Weight Watchers because all your friends are doing it and learning to eat like an athlete. That's hard. Like that's mental grit. That's the mental fortitude that you're going to need to cross the finish line of whatever the race is that you decide to sign up for next. And so I love that you're recognizing that, like not doing the, the love half when all your, when there were people saying, Oh, just do it. And you being like, no, I'm respecting my body. I'm listening to my body. That's hard to not just give in and be like, okay, fine, I'll do it because people on social media are going to see that I didn't do it. Like, it it sounds silly, but like, it's really hard. Like, I really want to congratulate you. (laughs) And I I went back and forth on it a lot, Um, not necessarily because of the comments, but just in my own mind being like, why don't I just do it? Like, I'm signed up for it. Like, it would have been so much easier to just do it. Let me just say, put it that way. And it's just, I think when I recognize that, First of all, posting about it the first time and getting so many nice comments was helpful. <laughs> so like there are, there is a time when social media can be very helpful. Um, but I think, yes, mental health comes first always. And if it's kind of like the Mary Kondo, like if it's not serving you, like don't throw it out, throw it away. Don't do it. Don't even think twice about it, I think is the best way to look at it. It's like if you even have that thought, like don't just shove that thought aside, like sit with that thought. So why am I thinking about not racing this? Oh, it's because I'm actually not going to have fun. Like, then why am I doing it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make but any I also sense. Wanna, I want to elaborate on something that you said too. I think this whole mentality, and this is really where the hustle culture piece of it comes from. It's like, we think that you know, like going to these fitness classes and doing like 45 minutes of high intensity every single day is like, that's a good way to train and work out or like going to your job, you know, five days a week, nine to five, putting in the same amount of like, that's actually not progress. Like progress looks like maybe one day you're giving 20%, then one day you're giving 30%, then one day you're giving 80%, then the next day you're giving 40%. Like it's not always 100%, 100%, 100% on every single run or every single thing that you're doing. So recognizing that like we are allowed and we're supposed to give different efforts in in our daily life can really protect you from burnout, from injury, from feeling like crap, from um, feeling like the joy is being sucked out of it. And I think that a lot of recreational runners specifically who are like, I'm going to go out and like try really hard on this run, even when it's just like an easy training run. I think that's where we get lost in it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, we're humans, we're animals, we're not an iPhone app. So like we can't just charge 
to 100% and do 100% every day, like we're going to have different things factoring in how much we can give to our sport, right? We have, you know, what, how much capacity is in my nervous system? Did I have the kids were driving me crazy or a really bad day at work or I didn't sleep enough? Am I in the second half of my menstrual cycle and my hormones are doing wonky things? Like we're dynamic beings. So we can't just decide, oh, today I'm giving 100% and tomorrow I'm giving 100%. Like it, it doesn't work that way. Um, So Victoria, like as we're kind of recognizing how this is common, like hustle culture, social media, you know, everyone posting like the perfect day in the life and us not seeing the behind the scenes, we have this assumption that like we should feel guilty, we should feel bad if we're noticing that we hate our long runs or we, you know, can't finish our track workouts because we're just like feeling sick, we can't do it. Like how are you, Victoria, now – Like, how do we get, well, we don't have to ever get back to wanting to train again, right? But like, how do we at least like get curious, like create that permission to heal and relearn, refine how to fall in love with running again? Like, how are, how are you doing that? Yeah. So it's a lot of different things at once. um, And there's no like perfect right answer. I think number one for me was take the time I needed to take off of running. I took more than four weeks off after the New York City Marathon, um, which was helpful. And then after that, you know, once I decided after the Philly half, I took some time. I reached out to my coach, actually, and I said, I don't want to do any more workouts. I want to drop my mileage. I want to, like, change these parts of my training plan. He's very receptive to that. And we did it. So for me, it was a lot of, like, let me just take back, like, pull back on the running for a second. And I focused 100%. I focus a lot of my time on my business, on my friendships, on my relationships. Like my husband and I just bought a house. We had that going on. So I really knew that because of all of these other things in my work life, my personal life, I couldn't give this much energy to my running without burning out and feeling like it's a chore anymore. So the first thing I did was reach out to my run coach, tell him where I was at tell them that I really had to pull back and then this wasn't serving me right now. Great. Did that bring back the joy? Not necessarily. Like, you know, it, it was helpful and I, it was a lot easier for me to manage things and it definitely brought down my stress levels, which was super helpful. Um, I think ultimately, you know, it took weeks and weeks after that where I slowly started to be like, okay, wait, this run felt a little bit easier. And Oh, I'm slowly, it was kind of like almost chipping away one run at a time. Um, and it took a, it took a long time. I'm not even there yet, a hundred percent, but I'm feeling good. I'm running Chicago this year. And what I, another thing that I told my coach is I don't want a strict, strict training plan this year. Like I don't really need much speed work. I don't want to do much speed work. I want to do some nice, long, easy runs. I'm probably not going to be able to run five days a week and that's okay. Like I have a lot going on and that's where the perfectionist piece is coming in. So another good example is my long run last weekend. Um, It was the longest I have run since the New York city marathon. And I went into it really, I think the word, the right word for it is peaceful because I said to myself, I don't have to finish this if I don't want to. I'm going to go as slow as I want to go. I put on one of my favorite 
podcast about Vanderpump rules, um, all listening to the whole time. And I went out there and I was like, I'm going to take a snack break. I'm going to take my water break. I'm going to walk if I need to. And I just completely removed the idea that I have to run this amount of distance in this amount of time at this pace. And I went out there and I did it and I felt great. And I took my walk breaks and I took my rest breaks and I listened to my podcast and I actually even uploaded a reel while I was out there because I forgot okay. where I went. So like, I was very much like, this doesn't have to be a perfect run. And I love actually what my coach Nick says, who I, I, you can find his Instagram through mine. He says a lot of the times, like these training runs, they're not like when you're going to prove your fitness level. They're not meant to prove your fitness level. This is when you work on your fitness level and it doesn't have to be perfect. And it doesn't have to look like it's exactly how it looks like on your training plan. So I know that for me right now, where I'm at, that's going to be every run for me moving forward. And it's not going to be a perfect training plan. And I don't really care. And I think that that is what's really helping me get through um, the summer to Chicago. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I think this is like so powerful in that. Well, first of all, I need to share like a, a personal anecdote. So yes, I've run please. Chicago twice. And the first time I ran it, I like raced it. And yeah. it was I loved I loved it both times. Like it's my yeah. favorite race. Um, but so the second time I raced it, I had a training cycle where it was basically like my comeback to the marathon. And I kind of was doing what you're doing, where I was like, yeah. I just want marathon training to be fun. I'm not doing speed yeah. work. Like I want to like give this a go again. And so the second time I ran Chicago, I like didn't look at my watch. I just had my music on. I would turn it off when there yeah. was crowds. And it was like the best race. Like like Chicago is such an amazing course. It is like such a motivating, high energy, amazing place to run. And you're going to yeah. have the best time. And it's yeah. almost better to not go into it, like looking at your watch and trying to yeah. like race it, honestly. I, and I think that's what I'm going to do too. I honestly haven't even decided whether I'm going to wear my watch. I probably will wear my watch just to like know like a couple things. But honestly, I'm the mentality that I have for this race is so different than, than New York. I also, you know, I told my husband to stay home and watch our dog. Like he's not, I think just my mom is going to be out there because something that I did during New York is like, I had my name on my bib and people were yelling out my name. And like, I think that's awesome for me where I'm at and the experience that I had in New York city, like mentally, I'm not ready for that. I almost need for myself to just be my like no one knows who I am I'm just running the streets of Chicago me myself and I not worried about a thing and having fun like that's kind of mentally what I need for this race so a lot of different things that I'm kind of putting into place way before this race which is going to help me get to that day but this is different for everyone like I feel like for everyone it's going to look different absolutely absolutely yeah and I think what I'm I'm, I think like what I want to kind of ask, and I don't, I don't know if we're going to have like a, a really clear answer here is that I know when I'm working with a lot of athletes and you know, what I kind of specialize in is women who struggle with disordered eating or eating disorder. Yeah. And there's a lot of perfectionism in, in every, everything, <laughs> including food and running. And so oh, yeah. how do you not like, how do we handle this identity piece? Right. Where yeah. like, 
you're a runner, you're an athlete, like you've always been an athlete since you're eight years old. And like, does any of that come up for you now? Like, you know, where you're feeling, not that you should, but like, is there any piece of you that feels like your identity is like in crisis? And like, how do you handle that right now as you're kind of like using running as just like a fun stress relief thing? Oh, 100%. And I think I have to say before I even like dive into this answer, which like, like you said, I don't know if there is an answer that we'll get to. But first off, therapy, number one, like, I think it's different for people to unpack, like why they're feeling that way, athlete or not when they were younger. Like, I just think that that's a super important piece to the puzzle. Um, I think for myself, personally, um, again, having outside things other than running has been super helpful for like a big piece for me was actually getting my dog and feeling like there's something that I have to take care of. There's something that I love so much more than everything else that takes up a lot of my day. And like, that is different from my running identity. Right. Um, So that's a big piece. Another big piece that I'm super excited for that I haven't started yet is so before I had even a social media presence before I was like, even big into the running scene and doing races and stuff. I used to go to soul cycle like four or five times a week um, in, in New York. And that was a big part of my identity then. And I know that it's still wrapped in like, you know, it's a workout, all of this type of stuff. But when my husband and I move into our house, we're, I'm going to get a soul cycle bike. I haven't been in like two years of since the pandemic. And I weirdly feel like that is also going to help me just kind of take this like almost like limelight off of my running specifically and I'll have something else that I look forward to and it's like a different type of passion that is kind of going to almost help me bring back my love for running um I'm not sure if that helps the athlete piece because again it's a workout but like for me the soul cycle piece is like the music the dancing like all of that kind of stuff that I really like um so that's another thing that I'm really looking forward to but ultimately just finding passions outside of your running, I think can be super helpful. Um, I tell a lot of my athletes who are injured that as well. It's like, find something else that you love. um, And then it won't make it as drastic when, if and when something happens, and you need to take a little bit of a break. And a lot of that piece in rehab is just feeling positive towards your injury. And I think sometimes when you remove that identity piece of like, but if I'm not running, I'm not a runner and I don't know who I am. It's like, no, you are still a runner. You're just going through this and you have all of these other things that you love too, that you can still do. Yeah. And I, and I, I love, I love that. I, I tell my people the same thing. It's like, you're more than just a runner, right? Like we're all like these like complex dynamic people. We have all these different things we do in our life. And so, yeah, like let's put some focus onto our other roles in life and realize our identity is more than just one thing. Um, but then also just redefining what it means to be a runner, right? Like Victoria's a runner. Like no one would argue that if you see her account and yet like listen to all the unlearning she's doing. So really cool. Really, really cool. Thank you for sharing. And And I think a lot of that is what I'm doing for Chicago too. Like I'm just really, really kind of removing that piece of like marathon training is my life. And I know a lot of people already have done that. And, but for me last year, like this time last year, when I was training for New York, my 
marathon training came before almost everything. Like I remember even three weeks before the race, I didn't go see my friends. Like I was so scared that I was going to get COVID, even though it was, you know, we were so far from that. I was like, no, I have to be my healthiest and like best for this marathon. And I honestly look back on that. I'm like, I needed to chill. Like I need to just calm down and like have a life outside of marathon training. And it was, it, it would have been okay to miss a couple runs and to change things around. Like I was so rigid in that training and I don't think rigidity is helpful when it comes mm-hmm. to training plans. So yeah, identity elsewhere is super helpful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I love that advice. Like do not be too rigid because yeah. I think that's everyone's go-to. <laughs> Yes, like, it is training plan one thousand percent. It's like no, it's okay. There's room yeah. for error and flexibility in there. <laughs> yeah, and not just that. Like being good at managing and modifying and having errors and getting past that actually makes you a way more resilient athlete. So there's benefits right. too. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Okay, Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your story. Before you go here, I want to ask you one last question. We do not have enough women in our community proclaiming why they love their body. So, Victoria, I want to ask you, (laughs) why do you love your body? (sighs) This question, honestly, I love that you're asking it because I don't think we're asked it enough as women. Personally, I love my body because I, it makes me feel strong and it gets me from one leg to the next when I'm out there doing the things that I love. Um, yeah. And it keeps me upright throughout the day. That What more can we ask for? <laughs> I love it. Just like the basic, like it lets me live life. That's important. Let me live life. Exactly. That's the, I, I should be more thankful. <laughs> yeah. So anyone who is listening and wants to follow you, I've like now talked everyone's ear off about your Instagram. How can they find you? At Train Smart Run Strong on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm a little bit smaller on TikTok, but slowly trying to build. Um, and then trainsmartrunstrong.com as well. Awesome. And I will have those links in the show notes as well. Yay. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you so much, Serena. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear RunnerBot. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.